0: My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. So, Matthew, today, it's just you and me. Talk through the podcast. I want you to address for us something that's kind of been an assumption at Veritas, like an assumption that influences everything we do that I want to make explicit and kind of give the why for our people. Okay. So you are an elder here, Veritas, mm-hmm. you're a pastor, which is the same as elder, and you are on the adult ministry team. You've been in ministry for how long now? Coming up on 15 years. 15 years. Wow, that's amazing. I look like I'm 15 years old. So, um.
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, I was thinking 13, but okay.
0: <laughs> so, so here, here's the assumption. We assume that the Bible is relevant to our life and we should just use it all the time, right? Like if, if someone gets involved in Veritas and they go on a Sunday morning, they're going to hear us read through the Bible and explain it. If they go to connection group, we're gonna apply the message we heard from the Bible. Mm-hmm. If they if they have a kid come on a Wednesday night, they're gonna hear about the Bible. Thursday night at salt company gonna go through the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Yes. If we we're teaching classes, well, those might be some practical topics, but we're gonna use the Bible to help us understand. Yes. So, so again, the assumption is that we should be in the Bible because it's relevant and meaningful for all yeah. of life, right? Yes. The question I want to answer is like. Why the Bible? Right? Yeah. Why, why do we use the Bible for all these contexts? So so let me clarify that first.
1: What is the Bible? First off, just give me a, a basic thing. What's the Bible? Uh, the Bible is the 66 canonized books that we have. It's I like to think of the Bible as the testimony of God. So you have God telling about himself in Genesis 1-1. Um, this isn't quickly, is it? <laughs> God telling him us about himself, his sovereignty, his supremacy over all things. And the reasons why we should say anything about him being supreme is because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was formless and void. And I mean, formless and void sounds totally helpless, right? And God starts doing, making creating Mm -hmm. in this area and this is what we get and so then you have his testimony of grace and mercy and kindness and faithfulness to this group of stubborn rebellious people and then you have jesus a fulfillment of that promise and then you have another promise projected and then you have his uh fulfillment of grace mercy patience faithfulness in the new testament and even i would say extended to us so what you're saying in there
0: is the bible is one storyline yes And it's a storyline ultimately about God and God showing himself through Jesus.
1: Yeah. Here's the issue. If God has created all things, you know, Genesis 1-1. Again, I mean, I go back to Genesis 1-1 over and over again. There's this tension. We have to reconcile ourselves to God. Adam and Eve in a garden did not function in the end in reconciliatory manner towards God, in awe of God or in God's glory. And they broke that. And so the, the reality for the rest of us having the stain of sin from Adam is that we either spend our whole life running from God, Romans 1, just devolving in our sin, or we acknowledge God and bend a knee on earth. Hmm. So even in your description of what the Bible's about and, and kind of how
0: people relate to God in the Bible... You're also showing kind of an assumption that we operate out of that we don't really tell people here, but we just kind of assume that the Bible isn't first about me or for me. It's about God. Is that, is that fair
1: to say? Yeah. And I think where we find peace, hope, and joy and why, I mean, the foundation for why our classes are, our, our stuff is all about the Bible is because we want to be reconciled to God. Mm Mm-hmm where have we become irreconciled to God? How do we reconcile? Mm -hmm. So so one question I have, what happens, what goes wrong
0: if I make the Bible about me first and not about God? What gets off?
1: I think the greatest threat to us as human beings when we get the Bible off, when we get spirituality off, is we steal glory from God. I think that's the chief sin. I mean, the old... uh, Westminster Catechism, the, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? And the, the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is the key issue. And so when I make the world about me and my life and my storyline, one, I'm missing out on a whole bunch of other stuff. But two, it can't be. Like, I'm such a blip on this earth. And here you have the opportunity to be connected with God through Jesus Christ, which changes everything. So the Bible is one storyline about
0: God. It's not first about me, but like, does the Bible apply to me or am I just like learning knowledge, right? Again, I'm trying to tackle our assumptions here because when I show up to Connection Group and we start applying the Bible, how do I apply it if it's about God?
1: Because I function out of how I view God if I am God, I make the Bible about me, my life's about me, why my wife should be about me, my kids should be about me, the, and and I I become the center of that universe. And that's the tempting thing for all of us all the time, is I want to be the center of the universe. When God takes that role as central creator, sovereign Lord over everything else, it just shifts everything. Like, I am a Supposed to be about him. My wife is supposed to be about him. My kids are supposed to be about him. All of creation is pointing to him. It takes the pressure off in the fender bender because I know he's still seated on his throne. He's got a greater car. He's got something to plan. He can even work through just what we're talking about in Romans 8 in this current series. Like he can work through all these hideous things for my good and his glory. He can punch through all that stuff.
0: Okay, the Bible is 66 books one storyline primarily about God, showing us the ways that we fit into God's story. And so we begin to apply it by seeing how he's inviting us into a story, changing us to be more about it and reflect him to the world. Am I
1: understanding that right? Yeah. When we go like, we mourn like those who have no hope. That's one verse that comes to my mind real quickly because I I know there's something greater out there than even my loved one, than that relationship. I mean, my greatest earthly relationships point to a greater relationship that I have with somebody who's greater. You know, it doesn't take away sorrow. I don't want. To, I don't want to imply that, right? There's still sorrow. There's still pain, right, when you lose someone. But there's something greater out there. I mean, it gives me, you know, and and it isn't just fantasy or reality. Like I believe this. Mm-hmm. In fact, I sometimes I think like I should maybe have more questions about this, but I, I have faith. I have this mysterious faith that this is real. Yeah. One verse that comes to mind in this conversation is Second
0: Timothy three. Um, Verses actually 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God or the person of God, that's kind of a title from the Old Testament, man of God, right? Mm -hmm. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there's something about the nature of scripture. There's God in there. Scripture does something to us and there's a goal. There's this equipping to go out and do work. What does it mean that scripture is breathed out by God? Because the 66 books had different authors, different time periods, some of them different original languages. Yeah. What's that? I mean, just kind of basically, what does that mean that is breathed out by God?
1: Well, and I would say in a very basic sense, it's just that God spoke through those people. It's interesting just how God works through my personality and God works through your personality. God worked through the personality of a man named Matthew. God worked through the personality of a guy named Saul who became Paul. God worked through the personality and through the people of Abraham, the descendants. And so God was readily able to use his creation to tell his story. And so he inspired them, he gave them the thoughts and ideas to write. And they wrote through their perception um, accurate things about God. Yeah.
0: So even though it was written through people's personality in different cultures, and different time periods, are you saying it's still like we don't have to like get rid of the old junk and the old assumptions? Like sometimes I hear people go, well yeah, the Bible is written at that time for those people, but we're modern people. So we have to reinterpret how that goes. Do we have to look back and go, "What well, was through that person's personality. So that's just kind of the human part of it, but we got to
1: find the divine spark. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've heard that too many times. And the reality of the truths of the Bible, it's not just like a rule book for the time period. It's a guide. It's parameters for eternity. Like the outline that God lays is for an eternal God. He is eternal. His word is eternal. And so that's why we hold to some of the parameters. They might seem even archaic to some of us, but there's this concept, God's glory doesn't fade. And so as believers, even as Israel, as God's chosen people in a very practical sense, they were called to be set apart in the world. And these are the things that they were set apart in. And if you look at the anchor for them being set apart, it was their worship. They worshiped Yahweh. And Yahweh set them apart from the gods of the Ammonites and the Amorites and the Malachites and all the ites that were going on back then, right? (laughs) God set them apart from that. And so here you have the church were grafted in with a new covenant, right? This might be kind of crazy language here for you, but there's this new covenant that Jesus introduces with communion and he brings in this new picture. And the mark that is on the believer is this pursuit of Jesus, not just law following. Now, we, because we want Jesus, because we want to glorify him and serve him and love him forever, we do some things differently than the rest of the world. And because he's eternal, those things, we, how, do, how do I serve you, Yahweh? Like you saved me when I was dead in my trespasses and sins. How do I serve you? Not that I owe you. I can't repay you because any good I do is still from you. So I'm still needing that grace. But it's it's out of gratefulness, you know? Mm-hmm. If someone steps in front of a bus for me, I survive. I want to serve his family. Not because I necessarily owe it. I'm just so grateful. I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm alive, you know? So just that tension yeah. of owing. And we get that messed up sometimes. Yeah. One book that was helpful for me is a book called God's Big Picture by mm-hmm. Vaughn Roberts.
0: Essentially, he walks through the different kind of parts of the story of the Bible and goes, hey, okay, when you're located at this part of the Old Testament here, man, this is still part of the big story that God has been writing the whole time. It's not like, oh no, I showed up in, you know, the book of Malachi. Oh, what am I going to do? Or I showed up in Zephaniah, you know, how do I find my way here? Even for us as believers reading. My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. In Leviticus, when, okay, we're not following these particular laws, how do we understand that as part of the big story? And so... Again, that book is God's Big Picture. That's helpful for locating yourself in the story. Because at this point in history, we're standing on the other side of the cross, right? The cross has happened. In the Old Testament, they were looking towards the cross. They had pictures and signs pointing to the fact that God is a God of grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. He saves people from slavery, ultimately slavery to sin and death. Mm -hmm. And he kept promising he would give this king, this prophet, this priest that would redeem people and write God's rules and his character on people's hearts Mm -hmm. he promised the whole time that he was going to send this person and then jesus comes Mm -hmm. as the fulfillment of all those things right maybe you're listening and you've heard the phrase like jesus is the better moses or whatever that's Mm -hmm. kind of like the author of hebrews uses that language like all of that stuff was pointing to how jesus is the real deal that all that was pointing to Mm -hmm. that that stuff really happened but it also happened in God's
1: plan as a picture of what was coming too. And I think we have those things now as we long for the day where Jesus Christ will come again. We have pictures. Like when you gather on Sunday morning to worship, like that's a picture of this really massive celebration that we are going to have in heaven. And Jesus is going to be like right over there. And it's going to be awesome, you know. And for all the the issues of Sunday morning and the sound system working and for chairs in the right places and all these things right there's a picture of a time where it, it will be perfect and we will not just sing about god or sing and hear good truths about god truth will be present god is there you know and i think too for many of us this and this isn't for everybody but we have that reminder of Christ's celebration with his church in our marriage. Our marriage isn't just about love and just about relationship or just about communication. We have a picture of heaven right in our home, a reminder of Christ's sacrifice for us too. But the fact that there is, there's a reminder in our marriages in our day-to-day life for many of us, not all, but that there is a perfect relationship for all our struggles and for all our dishes and for all those things that, you know, test us on a day-to-day basis. There's this reality of a better wedding. There's a, there's a wedding coming. It's going to be sweet. We're going to be united with the bride of Christ.
0: Okay. So I've got some practical questions as we, as we look towards the end of our time here. One practical question is I get the Bible is for Christians, If I've got a non-Christian friend, and I know we're going to be talking about the Bible on a Sunday morning, and it's not an evangelistic message, or it's not a whatever, right? If we're just going through a series, is the Bible for them too? Should a non-Christian come, should I invite non-Christian friends to just hear regular preaching from the Bible? Is that something that'd be good for them?
1: Yes. Um, I think when you involve scripture, right? And this is where we get get scared off, I think, and and maybe... Think differently. Um, I'd love to hear that, but I think when you invoke the scriptures to a person or bring them along with the scriptures, you are just unloading the Holy Spirit out. And I, you know, I remember speaking at a college event several years ago and I remember just sharing my heart on Philippians 4, 4 through 7, and I got off the platform, and there was a gal caught me by the platform, and she just goes off, and like the whole thing that she had heard, I'm like, I don't know if I said any of that, but praise God, I'm glad you're impacted, and I walked a few more feet away, and a guy caught me, and he's like, oh my goodness, God showed me that, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, like you took the word the and ran with it. You know, <laughs> and and so when you when you bring someone in, like and when you when you sit down even over coffee and you start sharing scripture, you're unleashing something that's far greater than your experiences and, and you have no idea where the spirit will go with that.
0: Yeah, the the thing you're saying is really important. Even that verse I read from Second Timothy 3, 16, 17, other books, other ideas aren't God breathed the way scripture is, right? So so God has chosen to use this book, to make the words alive in people. And so on a Sunday morning or over coffee with someone or pulling someone in your home, whatever, to share truth of God. Yeah, it's not just my opinion versus your opinion Mm -hmm. or or even another good book, a good Christian book. The word has a different power. Mm -hmm. God can choose to use those things. He might choose to use those things, but he told us he's going to use this one. Mm -hmm. So that's always a safe place to go. And if someone rejects the authority of the Bible, They might do that intellectually, but they can't reject the real power that God could use to work through them. How do we as Christians become more Bible literate? Like I think for, for many of us, we probably haven't read through the whole Bible before. That's an intimidating task. You get, you know, even if you start with the best intentions, Genesis 1, 1, where you started us, Again, you hit a book like Leviticus, all these laws numbers, all these names, we can get lost. So, so that's a question there. How do we become more fluent in the Bible, more literate? What's that look like for us in our regular life as Christians?
1: Yeah, I would love for it to flow from my heart all the time. Um, for me, Leviticus isn't a bear, it's numbers. Man, that book, you know, it just gets really interesting to me. Like I've done things when you consider the names of the families and the numbering of them, I'm like... I'm like, oh, brother, I can't pronounce (laughs) half these names anyway. But like just realizing that God is naming real people. And when I look at like the book of Numbers, and I say this just for your encouragement out there, but like when you look at a book of Numbers and you see how God numbered his people and Yahweh knew those people and he canonized their name in a book that we're reading today, for me, it helps me understand that God knows every sparrow that falls in the Amazon. That's how I correlate it because you have all these little sparrows. There's bajillions of them everywhere and God knows them. He knows everyone that dies. So that, that helps me. I think for many of us, you know, we're Americans and we like to check the box, right? So we have to check off reading the whole Bible. Oh, that's impossible. And it's so painful. And so taking it one little step at a time. And I think the challenge is then we set goals, right? We're a goal oriented society. So my goal this year is to read through all of scripture. And there's parts that are dry and hard, and so sometimes you can't make it in 12 months, and we're afraid to say that that's okay. I have read through the Bible more quickly some years, and it has taken me two years to get through the scriptures just because of a different phase of life, and so dial it back, chill out, read for joy, uh, read for the testimony of God. I know a transitional time in my life was realizing that the Old Testament wasn't just stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and just stories about David and Goliath the big giant you know but it was about a testimony of God working through a broken Moses a broken Israel like this is how God responded to them and this is how God responded to David and this is how God responded to Solomon and when I'm frustrated with myself and how could God ever use me you read some of the prophets and you're like these guys were nuts you know and God worked through them well some days when my heart wants to rebel God worked through Jonah, you know, and so just seeing those testimonies, and I think for many of us, we have to dial back our thoughts that these guys are fairies, that they walk three inches off the ground, that there's a little halo on their head. Like Jonah was a real man. I believe historically he was a real man, and I know the story of Jonah can be a scientific challenge to some of you, but like when you step off in faith and just believe and then just realize the character of God through the story of Jonah. I'm picking on Jonah right now. I think it's helpful. And sometimes, and again, just kind of going back to the main point, it would be great to read the whole scriptures. Uh, I think the Old Testament is very informing of the New Testament, and they, they both bless each other a lot. And you know what? The first time, it might not make a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: I, I was at a retreat in Salt company in college, and a, a pastor named Bob Thune, who's at a church in Omaha, he encouraged us to read the whole Bible and he said, you know what? The first time you read it through, you're going to be really confused. Read it through five times. You'll start to understand a little bit more. By the time you read the Bible through 10 times, you start to have a little wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. And, and he was, he was saying that, partially to like take out some of the fiery passion college students can have where it's like I'm just gonna get it I'm gonna get it all whatever yeah and Mm -hmm. we hit confusion but God is interested in playing the long game with us he's not saying you've got to be an expert on all the bible and whatever right away but he wants to slowly form us and so patient discipline oak trees don't grow in a year amen oak trees grow in 30 years longer than that. And we as a church want to be full of oak trees. Mm -hmm. So that starts by planting acorns and reading and watering and and keep going. And one resource we have, I know, Matthew, you've been involved in like the the Facebook reading group, but we've got this Bible reading plan that we have, right? And it's, you could start at any point. It's just a number of weeks, whatever, five readings a day that walks you through the storyline of the Bible And I've been reading it with a friend and and he commented one time as we were reading parts of the Old Testament, like, man, I always knew that there were these promises of Jesus coming, but now I get to read them and I get to see for myself, oh, in Jeremiah, God says he's going to write the law in our hearts or or we start to tie the storyline together when we walk through it again. And this guy's not new to Christianity, but he's reading it again and seeing it's fresh. Um, I would would encourage you guys listening out there. We want to be more Bible literate people, not just to to have more answers or to win Bible quiz bowls or anything like that, but because we want to know God and God has told us who he is. And as we see who he is in the Bible more, he shapes us. He shapes our lives to live in the true story of all of reality that he's written. And he's told us about one final practical encouragement for me. I just need a plan. (laughs) <laughs> I just need to know where I'm reading that day to take away some of the initial inertia. Some of you that are disciplined in going to the gym, you started by putting your gym clothes out every night. So when you wake up in the morning, that hurdle was, was already tackled. Do that with your Bible reading. Some of you are business owners or leaders in business. You're disciplined in all kinds of areas. Your faith is no different. Maybe you got to flex some of those muscles that
1: you haven't before, but that's okay. God has given you a brain where you can actually know him through the word. And I think one of the things to add there, you know, like when you start working out the first two weeks stink, it's painful. You're not used to it. It's hard to read. And we do this with so many other things in life. It's not different with studying the scriptures. Mm -hmm. It really isn't.
0: Very tough. We hope this is answering some of the question for you of like, why the Bible? And, and even just tackling the assumption that we have that, man, God is going to speak to us through his word and his word in the scriptures, man, is, is relevant to all of life, every stage of life, every generation, every culture. I've personally been encouraged when I visited house churches in East Asia, where they're not allowed to publicly meet, but they meet in secret and they open the same Bible we do and God speaks to them. He challenges them and changes them and he loves them and he showed them who he is through Jesus. So we hope as a church, we all grow in more biblical literacy and through that, knowing God and being shaped by him. And just again, to to reference the book I, I shared before, it's called God's Big Picture. It's by Vaughn Roberts and it, it's a really practical book, just walking through the whole storyline of scripture. Maybe if that's been a struggle for you before, that could be a resource you could pick up. Matthew, thanks for answering my questions. Guys, thanks for tuning in and we hope this has equipped you a little bit more today. Thanks.